0: Welcome to the Tron Church Talking Points Podcast. Uh, I'm Paul Brennan, one of the ministers here in the staff team at the church. And this week we have something uh, a little different. Uh, We're really delighted to welcome uh, Dave Jensen onto the podcast. Dave works at EV Church in Australia and he's got particular responsibility for mission evangelism there at the church. And uh, he's been over here in the UK for a couple of weeks, uh, helping a number of churches think about mission and evangelism. So Dave, it's great to have you with us. And uh, we're going to be thinking today about mission in particular. But uh, Dave, perhaps uh, defend yourself. Why should we listen to an Aussie on evangelism?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, good day, Paul. Good day, everyone. Uh, you should listen to me because I have an Australian accent, of course. And so, <laughs> God speaks with an Australian accent. This is well known. So,
0: so I, so I understand. Yes, that's
1: right. So, if you want to know, get ready for heaven. This is it. <laughs> yeah. <You know>, so, <laughs> um, I, I'm real. I've had a great time here in Glasgow. My first time here. Yeah, I'm from a, a town outside of Sydney. Uh, well, a, a, it's a city, really, called the Central Coast. Uh, and I work at a church. Um, could EV Church, which is a church very like the Tron Church in many ways, a Bible-believing, um, gospel-proclaiming, um, evangelical church, uh, which exists in a in a country just like Scotland, the vast majority of people here have no and there have mm. no interest in Jesus or Christianity or anything like that. So, um, I work predominantly, in fact, specifically for the last ten years, uh, in the world of evangelism, and. Um, specifically evangelism through church. So one of the things that we can do is we can sort of outsource evangelism and think it's the role of individuals or um, organizations or maybe even just people overseas. Um, But that is not the biblical picture of evangelism that we have. Um, The biblical model uh, in the epistles and onwards is that evangelism takes place in the context of the local church. Uh, And so I've been really fortunate to... Um, to have focused the last 10 years of my life in um, in local churches, working in the, the world of mission and evangelism. Um, and that's just been the greatest privilege uh, outside of calling God Father. It's really been a great privilege for me. And so I, I'm on a trip at the moment uh, through the UK uh and i've been through england which is obviously disgusting and horrible yes uh, we don't like england no of course despite not. my accent yes I'm well you're putting it on to impress people i understand <laughs> uh, and then uh here in glasgow which is obviously the highlight i'm off to belfast tomorrow uh, and then uh london and then back home great. Uh, to the promised land but yeah uh that's what i'm doing here
0: good it's been great to have you it was great seeing we had dave in our house this morning doing crazy australian dances with our kids they're enjoying that dave so
1: well, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could do it now and on camera. You just have to imagine an indigenous war dance, and that's, that's what I was doing. Very good. Yep.
0: Well, we're glad to have you, Dave. So thank you for, for visiting and for your time. Can I, can I ask you, as a sort of starter, why are you a Christian, Dave? How did you come to, to follow Jesus? It would be great to hear your, your own story.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian family, and some of you might know my, my father. His, man, his name is Peter Jensen. Um, and he was the Anglican Archbishop of Sydney. My uncle's man called Philip Jensen, a very well-known Sydney um, minister, uh, and I had a wonderful childhood here in the Bible, taught yeah. faithfully, and uh, a Christian family, a loving Christian family. I always wanted a hard luck story. My hard luck story was I never had a hard luck story. I had a beautiful, <laughs> loving family, uh, and yet you know, I rejected the gospel at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up um, uh, joining the Australian Army. I was an infantry officer okay. for 11 years. I went through a divorce, and, um, and really, uh, by the age of 28, I'd uh, gone down every avenue available to someone with no restriction looking for yeah. uh, I don't know what. Uh, and when one day I woke up um, and my sister had given me a laptop and preloaded some sermons on YouTube and I couldn't delete them, you know, she was so, she had this bantery evangelistic technique which i call abusive evangelism which is like how stupid do you have to be not to be seriously are you still not a christian really that kind of it was really terrific it was really done with good humor and i knew she loved me and um anyway so i I started watching some of these sermons and uh i it was proof to me which was very helpful later in life that evangelism uh, uh, becoming a christian is not a matter of intelligence for which you and i are eternally very grateful for that fact Uh, it's, it's not a matter of intelligence or family heritage or anything like that, um, it's a matter of God revealing the truth when he chooses to reveal the truth through his spirit. Uh, and so I heard the gospel proclaimed as I had heard it nine million other times, mm. but this time I got it. And let yep. me tell you, I mean, it's just clear as day and night. I had not got it. I got it. Jesus died for sinners. I was taken to Romans. I called a, a minister I knew and I was taken to Romans 5, 6 to 8. Uh, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Hmm. And hearing that um, on a barracks room floor uh, in 2009, I, I fell to my knees and um, I, I put my trust in Jesus. And uh, that was around 13, yeah, 13 odd years ago. Yeah. Um, and God's blessed me now. I'm, I'm married to beautiful Sammy, four beautiful boys. Um, four uh, kids. Four, Who would do that? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. but idiot. I just had all boys. Um, you've gone much harder with the two girls, girls, but let me tell you, um, you know, being a Christian is the best thing that's ever happened to me by a million miles. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I'm a Christian Mm. and that's, I'm, that's why I'm a Christian because God saved me. That's why I'm a Christian. Yeah. That's great. Praise God. Yeah.
0: Thanks brother. Wonderful. Praise God. Um, now Dave, you, you spend your, your time now, you're working at EV, particularly with, uh, mission with evangelism and it'd be great to just help us think a bit about the witness of the church um, you know our, our task and mission and, and what are some of the what are some of the main challenges you've observed both in Australia but since you've been in the UK what what are some of the I guess the key barriers uh, rightly or wrongly that we perceive to Reaching our friends and family with the gospel.
1: Yeah. um, Well, the good news, I think, is that I believe the same barriers are apparent in Australia and Scotland. Mm. I worked at a church in Northern Ireland for several years. uh, And funny enough, I mean, Northern Ireland culturally, a world away uh, from Australia Mm -hmm. in many senses, but the same same problems. Mm. Um, And... I was just thinking about this before because we were chatting. Um, In Matthew chapter 9, we have these famous words. And and friends, if you're listening, you may have heard them, but hear them again. Um, Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 9, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, if you were to just hear those those words alone, what is the biggest blockage to evangelism, according to what Jesus has just said? We think it's culture, mm-hmm. and we think it's um, politics, uh, um, uh, hostility. You know, all well. You name it. Yeah. You know, um, dot dot dot. Uh, but no, no, the harvest is plentiful. Jesus says, in the context of a world which is entirely pre-Christian, the workers are few. And then he, he gets the He tells the disciples to pray for what? Not the lost but for workers. Mm. Now, if you know Matthew 10, then what does he do? He then immediately sends out the 12 who'd been told to pray for more workers. And then he promises them, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. So he doesn't say, hey, um, you guys need to get out there. It's going to be really easy. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. He says, you need to get out there. You're going to die. It's really hard. But right at the core of this, what's the biggest blockage to evangelism? It's me. It's you. It's us. Mm. It's the church. And the harvest is plentiful. Now, the harvest is plentiful means um, either one or two things. It either means is there's um, plenty of people. Jesus either means there's a lot of people waiting to become Christians, waiting to hear the gospel, or an alternate reading of that is to say judgment is coming. <laughs> the harvest is judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually doesn't make a difference to the outcome. What he's saying is the biggest objection, the biggest blockage to evangelistic fruit in Scotland is Christians, are Christians, that we're not willing to be workers. Um, However, it doesn't have to stay that way, and and it, it shouldn't stay that way, because the opportunity is there for us today. Go, go, go. And the important thing I think here, Paul, is we've got to stop believing that there will be somehow a situation, circumstance, culture or society where this is going to be easy. Yes. <laughs> and I, I kind of think, I mean, listen, Scotland is world famous for what's happening in your culture and society today, 2023, when yep. we're speaking. Yep. And Scotland's famous for uh, uh, it's running away from the gospel. Um, we can be tempted to think that it's been harder today to reach people than ever before. And there, mm-hmm. there's certainly circumstances where that may or may not be true. But I think if you speak to any saint of 100 years ago from, from Glasgow, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, Dundee, they'll say, no, no, it was hard enough then as well. So the challenges about then, that yeah. Challenges yeah. then. Yeah. the great Scottish missionaries who, went, who labored in Vanuatu and Fiji, what were they met with? They were met with uh, mm-hmm. cannibalism and, and death. Uh, so let's not make any mistake. Um, evangelism has always been tough. Because what is tough about evangelism? It, it's not society and culture. What's tough about evangelism is rejection. And and mm. and it's personal rejection that's at the core of the fear that we feel, uh, because we hate being rejected. Who enjoys being rejected? You know, um, uh, Scottish rugby fans maybe for years. But besides that, we, we don't hate. You know, we we don't hate being accepted by people. We long for acceptance. We hate rejection. It is a deeply, deeply difficult thing to do. Mm. Yet Jesus still says, "Do it." <laughs> And so, right at the core of uh, of what's going on is um, that Christians we need to we need to realise, hey, this will be hard. We need to approach it that way. Yep. This will be difficult. If I'm waiting for a circumstance or situation, it's going to be easy. I'm going to be waiting till glory. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. And there's no need to do it in glory. So, you know, we've got to go out. I do want to say there's hope there as well. There's, it's not all the bad news story. But I think we need to come to terms with the fact that. Um, Whoever is the first minister or uh, whatever laws are taking place, it's right that we think and pray and care about those things. But the only cure and solution to societal madness, to cultural malady and, and mayhem mm-hmm. is the gospel. The only solution to nominal Christianity is the gospel. Yeah. The only solution to Islam and uh, false idols and is the gospel. It doesn't matter what situation we're facing. It's the gospel. And and it's, it's our privilege to... herald that to the world Mm.
0: yeah that's helpful And i think you know what you say there about the harvest of plentiful you know as we seek to share the gospel it is going to be for some yes it will be the stench of death they're going to hate it but for others it's going to be fragrance of life isn't it it's going to be what they're waiting to hear it they are eager to hear the truth and to to respond so i think there are probably more people out there willing and eager to listen than we, we might imagine.
1: And this is the great news, is that once we, once we come to grips with the real problem, which is fear mm. and fear of rejection, not fear of culture, it's fear of rejection. We don't like being rejected. Once we come to grips with that and realize, no, no, well, we probably will be rejected. Um, that's the helpful realization that drives us and once we get driven into the field, into the harvest, into the field to, to labor in this work, um, then we start to realize, ah, oh, but being involved in this activity, pushing through this pain line and barrier, um, you actually begin to realize, oh, God has not finished in Scotland. He's mm-hmm. not finished in Northern Ireland. He's not finished in Australia. God still saves people. And it's not nearly as difficult as I thought. Or even if it is as difficult as I thought, the, the, the glimpses of joy and hope you receive mm. throughout it um, more than compensate for discouragement. So I'll give you some stats, actually, from the UK. Yeah, I do. Um, and Rico Tice has been really helpful for this, mm. a great English evangelist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, they did a study of the UK, uh, and, uh, and you may have heard this before, about the spiritual... Uh, um, State of the nation, that kind of thing. Um, Now, it turns out, as no surprise, um, 73% of people in the United Kingdom know someone who calls himself a Christian. Now, of that 73%, how many of them um, like the people that they know? Well, nearly 100% of those people. What is the most common word they use to describe the Christian that they know? The word is selfless. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, just take a step back here. Uh, The other words were generous, kind, and thoughtful. Um, So what does that mean? That means that most people who know Christians... Like you, yeah. they like you. They may not agree with you, but they like you. You are doing exactly what Jesus said would happen by following Him. You're shining a light, You're mm-hmm. salt in a world yeah, that's yeah. going. So um, we cre- we don't realise that because people don't say, "Hey, I really like you. I like that you're a Christian." I, but no, no. Um, and you see, when the chips are down, when crisis happens, you see how quickly people turn to Christians that they mm-hmm. know that they, no, no, they they like you. They may not agree with you, but they respect you. Now. Here's the exciting part of that group of people who know Christians, twenty percent of them would respond positively to a a, a religious conversation, a yeah. religious invitation, even twenty percent. Now that's one out of five people what what's the problem?
0: Well you've got four who <laughs>
1: four won't so and, and the other problem is um so four won't, one will. And you don't know which one's which. It may
0: be the fifth one you talk to. (laughs) And it may be the fifth one
1: you speak to. So you might have to go through the four and the four to get there might be horribly discouraging because four out of five will not be interested and will be like, mind your own business. Get out of here. If Scotland's like Australia, Uh get out. This is not your place. But one in five will. So the challenge for us is, are you willing to go through the four to get Hmm. to the one? Are you willing to face the discouragement in order to... Tell people the good news about Jesus. Now, the only way you'll be willing to do that is by truly believing that the gospel is the only way people can be saved. Hmm. That people don't need more social clubs and community and they don't need to feel good about themselves. They need to know about Jesus. They're dying. They will face eternal death. This is the gift of eternal life. And it may feel risky, but aren't you glad someone took that risk and told you? It might have been a mum. It might have been a neighbor. It might have been a grandma. It might have been anyone. But we've got to take the same risk that people took the risk on and tell us. And, and so, so I want to say, and then because I'm so fortunate, brother, to spend my time in evangelism, um, here's the good news story that we need to remember. Um, hundreds of people become Christians every day in this world. Statistically true. Hundreds of people. Um, and, uh, and in Scotland, there are people waiting to hear the gospel and yeah. be saved. And God will save them. He promises he will. He's not finished with Scotland. And um, the the lead up to nearly every big revival in history has has been, um, prior to that, has been times of great mayhem and... Uh, We're in the midst of that at the minute. You yeah. know? And so, so don't read the world by mm. the world. Don't mm. let the media tell you how to read the world. Don't trust yourself about how to read the world. Use the word of God as the lens by which to read reality yeah, that's and, awful. and jesus tells us the harvest is plentiful but workers are f- a few get out there mm. get out there and people will become christians and there's nothing there's nothing quite like seeing someone become a christian and you you're fortunate enough to see that here at tron and and pray pray for god for more and more and more yes yeah, yeah. um
0: yeah, i think i think folk have come amongst us because of what's going on in, in society they are looking for answers looking for truth and it's it's been
1: wonderful. Seeing. Well, you use that verse; a great verse. You know, we are—we are the aroma of um, death, the stench of death, I should say, to some, but the aroma yeah, of life to yep. others. That was my life yep. for for twenty-eight years. The gospel was the stench of death, yep. and then, boom, became the aroma of life. And we just got a—it's not complex what we do, is it? No, it's, it's very not. simple: proclaim, 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 proclaim until glory. I
0: think having the the as you say the confidence that normal Christians living normal Christian lives will to many people be compelling. We are looking at that in Titus recently, all those instructions for how other churches to operate and how that will adorn the gospel. It will make the gospel, show the gospel for all its beauty to those around who watch on. Um, so I think we can underestimate the power of a normal Christian life and how compelling that is.
1: Com- completely rough completely right and I want to just give an encouragement actually to the people listening it's easy enough for you and I as pastors uh, mate we you know we um, we meet someone on the bus or wherever I got a cab here you know well what do you do I'm a pastor bang religious conversation oh. you know very simple for me uh, to have a religious conversation um, and it's really important though I want to encourage everyone that people don't just see your life and say hey they're a bit different but they actually know why you live the mm-hmm. way you live and so raise the gospel flag and that could be saying grace before lunch at work. It might yeah. be having your Bible on your desk, talking about church. You just raise the flag, drop pebbles, um, and you know, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and even better, um, partner together with your church family um, in this in this work together.
0: Yeah. So I think one thing you said towards the start was you know, evangelism through the church. Um, I think it's helpful to think about evangelism as, as being primarily a corporate team activity, rather right. you know, we're not sort of on our own, out there battling them by ourselves. Um, help us think through how the church uh, can approach mission and, and how each of us as individual congregation members can make the most of what the church is doing. Any, any thoughts on, any wisdom on that?
1: Yeah, I... I... Listen, I, I think um, good way to approach it is to realise what the church is, and you use Titus, you know. So Titus is Jesus Christ, um, uh, he he died, he rose from the dead um, to gather for himself a people of God. Mm. Yeah, we are His people, His gathered people. We are the people of Jesus, and we're seated, you know, in the heavenlies when we gather, but also uh, in the physical together um, on a Sunday when we meet, um, and, and so it's very important for us to realize that what we have in our community is not an ordinary community. It's, it's a extraordinary community. We are a spiritually alive, spirit filled community. And let me put it this way. You may uh, be part of a church which is deep in the countryside and there might be three, three members and a three legged dog who are there, you know, they're the members of, Mm -hmm. of this church. Um, and to the outside world, it looks pathetic and small and insignificant. And yet, to God, to God, um, uh, he he points. He tells us in Ephesians, he mm. points at this and says to the to the heavenlies, "Look, yeah. this. Look at this. he. We are the trophy cabinet of God." Yeah. Ephesians is beautiful for this um, that uh, we are seated in the heavenlies when we gather. Um, we are a spiritual. Dwelling place. No, no, no. That doesn't mean God doesn't dwell amongst us when we're not gathered. It doesn't mean that we only worship in church. Nothing like that. But what I'm trying to emphasize here is that uh, the gathered people of God is an extraordinary community um, which has with it uh, an extraordinary appeal that we're not aware of. That often, particularly for those of us who've been brought up in church, who've come to church for a long time, who go through—you know—it's the regular rhythm of a Mm. uh, Sunday—we lose sight of exactly how special this is. And I said, I actually said in uh, your—I was chatting to you and the staff earlier, Paul—and I said, I wish people could—and I don't wish this, of course—but I wish people could, uh, if you've been a Christian for too long, that you could stop being a Christian for a year, and then go back to church and realize what it is that, that we have here. Yeah. Um, it's like I, I live in Sydney. I've lived in Sydney most of my life, the most beautiful city in the world, after Glasgow, of course, the most beautiful city in the world. And you know, I lived in the city center, and I would walk past the Harbour Bridge almost every day mm-hmm. when I was a teenager on my way to work. How many times did I look at it? Never. I never paid attention <laughs> to it. The most stunning harbour. But then I remember showing some visitors around once, some Iranian um, friends, and they cried. They were like, oh, my goodness, look at this. Yeah. And it took me to see their reaction mm-hmm. to see how beautiful and special this thing was. My dear my dear friends listening, I guess what I'm saying is um, church gathering on a Sunday, just the act of gathering on a Sunday um, is intrinsically uh, life-giving yeah. uh, and, and is it an incredibly appealing thing, even though it may not feel like it, even though they may not speak like it, even though they don't understand it properly mm. to non-Christian people. Uh, and so I want to say to you guys, we work better together, literally, when we're together. So um, Sunday as a place to bring people, non-Christian people, is always, always a great idea. Yeah, and that includes even if the topic is hot. You know, even yeah. if you like, it's oh, I'm a bit scared. I get that. I get that. Um, but I want to say. Um, the new visitor, the non-Christian visitor when they arrive at church, let me tell you what they're, they're not just listening, they're feeling um, mm-hmm. they're taking mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things in they're seeing a bunch of people live in and act in a way they're not used to um, it's this huge sensory overload experience um, and so long as we're aware they're there, we care for them properly church isn't for them, it's for Christians but in that we know in, in Corinthians, Paul tells us to act knowing that non-Christians are watching um, and so I want to encourage the listeners, the members of Tron, and any church, um, to bring non Christians to church, and not to sweat. Oh, oh, that I don't think the music's good enough. Listen, unless you're going to go learn the guitar and make it better yourself, don't worry about that. <laughs> Get to church, bring people with you, and and you will. Uh, it is just an incredibly mm. valuable and precious front door. Now, there's something else I want to add to it. But any questions on that, mate, or any thoughts to add? Well, on? I think
0: I think you echo my thoughts exactly i think what happens on a sunday you you don't get that anywhere else in society uh you have not we know what's going on spiritually but just
1: on on a a human level what's
0: going on there is astonishing you've got folk from all ages and stages all backgrounds all nationalities all gathering together eager to listen to god's word i mean that people just don't see that anywhere else as
1: brothers and sisters in christ entirely yeah. equal in the eyes of god completely unequal in societal terms yep. but you know, it's, it is powerful
0: yeah and and we're confident that folk will receive a warm welcome they will be spoken to um they're going to hear the word of god taught clearly um and spiritually we know what's we know what's going on it's a it's a supernatural event. Uh, Christ is in the midst of His people, uh, and we believe, don't we, that God works through His Word, and no, that true. is how people come to salvation. So, Sundays, great thing to be, bring people to.
1: Yeah, listen. I, I mean, just amen to that. And um, uh, you know, faith comes through hearing, uh, hearing what, hearing the Word of God. Yeah. And and like I just tell you, I, I just tell you, when I first came back to church as a non-Christian adult. Um, I was terrified. I was at the front smoking and Mm -hmm. worried everyone's going to judge me. And, uh, and, uh, I've just never for a moment had any feeling like that. And I just, I, I, the precious gathered people of God. Sometimes we need to, you need to be the, you need to be the, the person who sees the Iranian refugee looking at the Harbor Mm. to see the Harbor for what it is. So do that. Now, the other thing I would say is that of course, the other part of evangelism that, is so biblical and so effective is um, evangelism done in the context of the church family partnered together. Now, uh, Philippians is great for this because mm-hmm. Paul, um, from the very beginning, thanks the Philippian church for their partnership in the gospel. Now, what that means is they've they've financially supported him, certainly, they've prayerfully supported him, certainly, um, but also in just the act of mission together, we partner with one another, we share together together, in gospel work um, and and what that means I reckon is really simple it means that for some of us um, in some contexts in some circumstances it's there's people that having an evangelistic Bible open conversation with is going to be too hard mm-hmm. it might be we're too close relationally maybe yep. we're not confident enough to do that yeah but what can everyone do well everyone can invite everyone can bring yep and then just say you have an Aussie mate and you know he he's particularly dull and and you know, dim and you're like, oh, but there's this guy coming. He's another dim-witted Australian. Oh, great. Oh, he's at church this Sunday. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna invite him to, to Dave. And so then suddenly he's met another Christian and so on and so forth. Um, and when you've got a church like like the Tron and, and other churches that are really thoughtful and intentional about evangelism, it means um, so when you put on things like uh, the life course, which yep. you put on here or Christian Explored, and yep. um, midweek things that are perfectly aimed and designed for non-Christians. Um, it means that as you bring someone to church and then you bring them to life, and it's important you bring them so that they yep. can meet people, but they're meeting other Christians, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that builds the plausibility of the gospel. and yep. um, They're seeing Christian community in action. Um, but it also means it doesn't circle around you. That's right. It
0: takes the pressure off, it? takes it, the pressure yeah, off.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, as, as we know, you know some people... Um, pass the ball to the other, some pass it to the other, some chip kick forward, some score the try. Some, uh, But who gets who gets the points? The team gets the points, not the individual. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and so we want to say, um, in evangelism, we're better together. It's a team sport. It's a team sport. Yeah. And it's not, a, it's not a competition we have with one another. Um, but evangelism done through the church. And of course, the, 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 the best part, the most biblical part of all of this is where does evangelism in the church end? It ends in church membership mm-hmm. and ends in that Christian Becoming an evangelist for the church. And that's biblical Christianity, that we are saved into the gathered people of God. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's how it's, now that's not to say you can't do one off evangelism elsewhere, but if the end result of that is not to connect the person with the church, uh, you're doing a great disservice yeah. to, to the soul. Yeah, yeah that's helpful.
0: Well, you know, I was just chatting to one of our students before we came down, and um, he's been bringing a mate to church since before Christmas, every week, brought into the student weekend away, and that that friend's being plugged in and and sitting under God's word week after week, and and that's just so encouraging.
1: Well, you know, it's no surprise that the vast majority of people who become Christians as adults have had some kind of Christian interaction in childhood. Now, listen, uh, that might not be an orthodox or biblical interaction. It might have been any kind of school or an auntie who does this or, uh, you know. The point is about plausibility. Mm. If people meet Christians, and they realise, hold on, they're not crazy, they're not you know, lunatics, they're not fringe dwelling you know, conspiracy theorists. These are <laughs> these are rational, thoughtful, humble, loving people. Yeah. Um, and there's the surgeon, and there's the 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 the, um, the street walk. You know, there's there's the whatever it is. It doesn't. It's not about class. Um, but as you meet more and more Christians, you're just like, oh, this is the non-Christian realises, oh, hold on. Um, there's something to this. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's so helpful. So in the Tron, we're really wanting folk to think about mission in terms of church, life course, which runs into see. Those are kind of some of the key things to to be bringing people along to. Be helpful just to think in terms of church, mission, and your observations in the church you've been involved in. <clears throat> what What have been some of the some of the breaks on evangelism what are some of the things that you've seen that don't particularly work or uh, (laughs) you've maybe seen a few things Um, but just helpful to because there can be a lot of evangelistic effort and energy Um, where have you seen that misplaced and any any lessons that you would have from your, your experience Dave?
1: Yeah, yeah. Listen, the wonderful thing about being an Aussie is you never have to worry about it being too complicated. Okay, so <laughs> we have a very, simple. very firm uh, principle at play in almost all we do, which is keep it simple stupid, you know, and, and uh, uh, or do less better is yes. the more polite yeah, yeah. version of that. Um, I reckon there's there's probably three, three dangers in missional activity in local churches that I've seen really common. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I've mentioned one of them already, which is... Um, uh, dejection and discouragement okay in that place yep. so uh just the you know you bring someone they come they have a terrible time and then you feel like oh i shouldn't do that I'll i not do that today. again you, know, no. you blame church <laughs> oh or or you bring them and then an issue is talked about that you didn't like um you know the preacher speaking about or whatever so you get angry at church and mm-hmm. and and this kind of thing and so you end up um uh, uh thinking well i'm not cut out for this or Church isn't made for you know they're not they're not worthy of my involvement and in that kind of stuff and uh, that's just uh, it's just not true it's untrue it's it's uh, one of the most harmful things that can happen so so uh, discouragement you, you know when you know that you're facing the the heavy tackle it's gonna come um, but you steal yourself for it it hits you bounce off you keep going back you mm. keep going back you keep going back and you keep going um, so dejection discouragement yeah um, but by far and away the most um, the most Pre- prevalent um, danger is now this is a hard word, it's a harsh word, but it's it's um, evangelistic delusion. 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 Okay. Fake news. Fake. Okay. And what I mean by that mm. is uh, it's very common for churches to put on um, ministries in an attempt to reach non Christian people, to engage non Christian people with yeah. the best of intentions. The mm. best of intentions. Um, and to engage effectively with non-Christian people uh, to the point where suddenly you have you know, a whole bunch of Christ- uh, non-Christian people maybe coming to your church property or uh, involved in an event or this yep. or the other. And you think, oh, you know, look at this. We've got all this. This is missional. Uh, it's revival. We've got all these people. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and yet uh, see no conversions. And yes. the reason you don't see any conversions is because whilst the activity is aimed and effectively engages non-Christian people, it's not actually evangelistic. Evangelistic mm. activity must have gospel proclamation at its center. Yeah. And gospel proclamation, by the way, isn't just um, the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's death and resurrection of Jesus and then the call to repent and be saved, yeah. Yeah. faith and and, and, yeah. Yeah. and belief uh, and repentance. And so um, what can end up happening there, though, is that because you then have all these non-Christians involved, um, the tail wags the dog. Is that an expression here as well? The tail wags the dog? So, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the end, because the people who own the ministry or um, uh, the church running the ministry can think this is this big thing, um, you can end up thinking this is effective. And actually, it's just it's not. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you an example. Yeah, go um, for it. Uh, and it's a real life one. My, my, I have a, a relative. <laughs> not to my be sister, named. <laughs> my sister not to be named. I have several sisters, so this is fine. Um for years and years she ran a um thing in, in Australia, we call it um uh, Kinder Music. I don't know if it's a, like a mother and baby music program. We have
0: got we've got well mainly music is what we yeah. I'm afraid as a New Zealand
1: well, originated ministry. That's why it hasn't I'm, sorry. Worked. I'm sorry. That's why it doesn't work. Um <laughs> never trust the New Zealanders. Um <laughs> And, and so my my sister has who who led me to the Lord my sister evangelistic evangelist you know, uh, has put this ministry on uh, to engage mothers in the local community and for years it was amazing in the sense that it worked now why did it work well it was a free program with food for people to come with their kids and have fun and the kids loved it the mothers loved it and they had Christians in the group three or four Christians in the group 10, 20, 30 non-Christians come uh, on a Tuesday morning or whatever yep. it was so this thing is going on and on and on and on. And on. But, um, but only in the last year or so uh, my sister and I started talking and she asked a question not me which was to say how many people should I expect to see um, converted through a ministry that is uh, designed to convert people and I said well some, how many of you had? She said, none. And I said, right, well, that's probably the point where you've got to think, why, why? And she knows why. It's why, because it's actually too soft an invite mm-hmm. and makes a very difficult next step even harder. And then if you do something a bit harder, um, uh, the people will just not engage with it and just keep coming to the soft thing. It's, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and so over time, my sister, um, bless her, it's, it's very difficult to assess yourself in this way, but she was able to go... Oh, all this effort and energy it was good to give it a crack there's nothing mm. wrong with giving it and, and the heart behind these things is great yeah, yeah and there's nothing wrong with doing it if the intention is community or the intention is um, it could even be that you're, um, you're you're trying to raise the profile of uh, this at the other I would say that's it's not great but the, you know that might be. It. But if your intention of these things is evangelism and mission and you call it evangelism and mission and you're telling everyone this is evangelism and mission and you're acting as if it is evangelism and mission and yet no one's converted and actually the gospel isn't proclaimed properly, well, it, it's it's very dangerous to call that evangelism and mission mm-hmm. because deludes you into thinking that what's not evangelism is evangelism mm-hmm. and that means you won't do proper evangelism yeah, yeah and so you'll yeah. be like oh, i don't need to do that because i'm doing this even though it doesn't work mm. does that make sense
0: yeah that's that's helpful
1: yeah yeah so um uh, evangelistic delusion and we all you know, there's a bunch of ways so the best thing we can do is just constantly be thoughtful be thoughtful about what we do yeah. and assess things and assess have the right metric and i hate that word metric but have the right ask the right questions if this is an evangelistic ministry, how many people have become Christians? Is it doing schools? it? Yeah. Are people, yeah. Or could my resources, my energy, effort, time, people, could be? Could we pour it elsewhere more mm. effectively? Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It's hard to do that, isn't it? Because it involves being self-critical. To, oh, yeah, it's, it's that's, very difficult. It's encouraging
1: to do and would much prefer not to. But at the same point, I think the important thing is not to... Um, end things and to, to beat yourself up but to realise, okay, well we've given it a crack, um, well we're going to redirect now this effort energy elsewhere, mm. we'll think of it this way and, and we'll, uh, carols is another good example carols is a great opportunity for people yeah. to bring non-Christian friends, yeah, Christmas, yeah. Easter yeah. great opportunity, um, but do non-Christians become Christians at carols? No uh, do non-Christians who visit at carols end up usually then becoming members of a church? No um, so should we do carols? Yeah, we should um, we should do carols because it's great for Christians to gather and sing mm. songs about Jesus. Yeah. We should do carols because it's a good practice for us to flex our invitational muscle yeah. and bring people. But we shouldn't do carols if we, if we have it as the centerpiece of our missional efforts and energies because it's not that. It is one piece of a puzzle that can be helpful but is often not. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so that's okay. You run it. It's good. It's great. But I, I tell you, I'd much rather bring someone to a Sunday gathering on a regular Just Sunday. Just a normal Sunday. A normal Sunday. If you got someone who'll say yes in two thousand and twenty three Scotland, if you got someone who'll say yes to coming to church on a regular Sunday, I mean that is a hot contact. That is someone who, you know, who is open to things. And I want to say there's far more people who are open to that than we think. We talk ourselves out of it. The final thing yeah. i would just say is that missional distraction. And that was the final danger. Hmm. And missional distraction is just that you can do so many different things that you end up not being sure what to do. So uh, I'll bring them to play football with us on a Monday or I could bring my non-Christian to do this, um, you know, uh, this activity or mums and tots here or this or the other. But actually keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Bring them to church. Bring them to uh, the life. life course. Yeah. yeah. You bring a non-christian to those places they're hearing the word of god preached that's where you want to be yeah
0: that's i was really interested when you said that i think i heard you saying the other day about you know those those normal sunday contacts they are they're not there because it's christmas time they're not there for any other reason than they've been invited and they've they're interested enough to come and so there's something the Lord is clearly at work, and in those those sorts of folks, so.
1: A hundred percent, and because the motivations of people who come at uh, Christmas, Easter in Australia is big. I don't think it's that big here, but and is Christmas Day big here? I'm not sure, but Christmas Day and Easter are big ones. Mm-hmm. Carols, or even baptisms, and like, listen, it's great that we're thoughtful about how we engage with those people, but they're not coming because they're actually inquiring about Jesus. Mm. God can still work through that without a doubt, but it. Traditionally, we as a church, evangelical church globally, have focused on those guys as like, oh, they're our missional contacts. But actually, um, the rule of thumb is that every church will have um, the same amount of visitors per year as you have members. So, you know, if your church is a thousand people, then you will have a thousand visitors if you add them all up across the Sundays. Now, of that a thousand visitors, around a third of them will be non-Christians. Who, who will be open to something else because they've chosen to come in 2023 yeah, yeah. in a post-Christian culture. So it's really important we identify them, we talk to them. Now, of that, of that group of people, um, the vast majority will be brought along by us, by Christians, but some of them will just turn up. So we've just got to be ready as a church to to welcome uh, non-Christian people. Yeah, Guys, if you're listening, can I tell you that this Sunday, whatever Sunday, whatever the day of the week you're listening to this, whatever day... This Sunday, non-Christian people will be at the church, and they will be um, uh, open to being engaged with the gospel. So, be aware of that. Be yeah. be mindful of them. Uh, look for them. Chat to them. Talk to them.
0: Uh, well, we, we were just talking earlier, and we were looking at some of our our data, and you know, Josh reckons over the course of a year we've probably got a hundred to one hundred and thirty-ish, wasn't it? non-Christian contacts coming to our services.
1: That's exactly right. That's that's a huge amount.
0: That's two a week, but over the year that's over a hundred people. Yeah. Um,
1: and can you imagine the transit? I mean you know if you grew by a hundred conversions every year. I mean the, and this is not all of those people will, you know, it's God's sovereign over yeah, conversion. Yeah. But I tell you what, we are behoven. We are we we should be utterly obliged to treating every one of those people. Here's what I like to do. I like to think of the person I love the most who's not a Christian. And I know who that person is. So mm-hmm. I, I think of that person. And I, before every Sunday, I, I go, right, I want to treat every non-Christian visitor coming like they're that person. Yeah, that's good. I want them to have the experience of church that I want my beloved mm. non-Christian person to have. And that means I'm just, you know, I'm being really thoughtful. I'm on the lookout. Uh and that's me as a pastor, but I want to say church should be full of people well, like that.
0: That's a great mentality because often we go to church not really thinking. We go in consumer modes rather than serve mode. <laughs> it's and, tragic, and, yeah, and yeah. And to be thinking, I mean, that's just, that's a really helpful way to think about it. Somebody in this room is a non-Christian, and they probably know a Christian. And how would that Christian friend want me to treat this non-Christian Spot friend on. of theirs? And, Spot on. Yeah, that's gold.
1: And uh, and and um. And, sorry, and even more important. Mm. And my behavior towards them will have an integrally important impact. Mm. The way we treat non-Christian visitors changes lives, mm. changes eternities. So if we treat non-Christian visitors like they're dust off our shoe, like they're cockroaches or worse, invisible, um, that makes an impact. Yeah. But if you treat a non-Christian visitor the way that Jesus... 1% of the way which is impossible of the way Jesus Christ has treated you, which we should, um, then what you notice is just a huge, huge impact on people. So it matters. It really, really matters. That doesn't mean pretend to be happy all the time. Huh? Ah, not that, but treat people uh, as you want to be treated. That's a good, law. that's a good, that's a good law. Um, treat people the way, try and treat people, Christians and non-Christians, the way Jesus treated you. Be aware of the impact that it makes to people. I mean, man, it's, it's just huge mm. to people.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really helpful. Yeah. Dave, that's been super helpful. Um, just lastly, what, what's encouraged you? Um, we had Andrew Hurd from EV with us almost exactly three years ago. My boss. In those pre-COVID era. Mm. Uh, we had a great time with, with Andrew. What, what's encouraged you at your time at EV over the last few years? How can we be praying for you guys?
1: Yeah, uh, we like like you in Scotland had had, uh, had to deal with the COVID um, thing, <laughs> and that was diff- we're a big church and uh, there was a difficult season of people who weren't that committed to church who didn't return. Yeah, uh, and you know that's not an insignificant group of people, and we lament for them. And yeah. but I suppose one of the things that I'm encouraged by uh, has been there is a rising spiritual hostility to us. There's no doubt about it. And you guys are on the the pointy end of it and we're not that far behind. But it is undeniably true there is a rising spiritual hunger Mm. in our land. When we read spiritual... When when we read hatred and anger towards us as authentic hostility um, towards us personally, we're always defensive. Mm -hmm. But when we read it biblically, which yep. is they will hate yep. us because they hated him. Yep. And actually, these are the the, the throes of a corpse. They're spiritually dead people. Mm. It's symptomatic of people who, who do not have life. And so Jesus, well, Ma- uh, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus responds with compassion, that we need to treat people this way with compassion. Um, but also realize uh, that often even this very behavior is symptomatic of spiritual hunger, a deep spiritual hunger. And we have personally have seen that at EV through more random non-invited people turning up than ever. Yeah, we've seen that as well. Yeah, yep. Just um, people driving past for years decided I'm mm-hmm. going to come and getting converted. Um, and um, when you combine that with the church on mission together yep. and not just taking advantage of the non-Christian visitor who comes but being out in the world bringing the non-Christian mm-hmm. visitor because by the way, of course, um, most people who become Christians as adults have a connection with a Christian adult who's brought them. So yep. that's you yep. if you're listening. Um, at EV, um, we've just seen a whole we've just seen a whole bunch of people who weren't invited turn up and become Christians, and we've also slowly, not immediately, but now, um, seeing church get back into action and evangelism as well, and start to bring people along. Mm. Um, and we're very hopeful uh, for for hundreds and hundreds of more people to come to know Christ, who is so patient. God is so patient, and not not sending Jesus to return. Um, as he tells us. So, yeah, there's a lot to be encouraged by for us. Australia's in a tricky position, like you guys culturally. Mm. But I suppose my final encouragement to us and to you guys is to um, is to not read the world, not trust our own reading of the world, yes. not listen to the media's reading of the world, but listen to Jesus's mm. reading of the world. Mm. And we don't need to be afraid. We don't need, you know, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we hold the line, Always. We speak boldly the truth. John the Baptist lost his head over speaking about moral issues. You know, speaking about moral issues is good, but we don't have to be afraid. Mm. We don't have to be terrified. We should never be terrified, uh, captured by fear. But when we're bold, when we're on the front foot um, proclaiming the gospel, um, people listen. And so I would encourage you guys, and I've just been greatly encouraged by my time here. If you're listening, I've been greatly encouraged by the leadership of your church and Um, the proactivity in trying to see Glasgow one for Christ. So thanks for having me.
0: Dave, it's been great to have you. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, folks, thanks for listening in. And uh, that's goodbye from us.